Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash. Making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last. Because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. Welcome to episode 112. I'm Gumby. And I'm Teresa. And uh, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and we're Christmas doing morning. one of Christmas morning. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. So we're doing one of our uh, um, week check-ins. We did uh, my week when I was by myself, and then our week when we took turns. And this is going to be this week, um, where we both contribute to the entries, and we're kind of in the middle of a flurry of morning activities, so I'm just kind of (laughs) following Teresa around with this iPad. Uh, Teresa, you got any thoughts you want to share right off the top of your head? Oh, having a house um, to be in is both uh, nice, but also really just, I don't know, it throws you off, because especially without it being your house, like, I'm trying to make sure everything is particular, particular, and everything is back in place where it was and clean and not smelling bad and like, yeah. Luckily though, the um, the person that owns this house had an incident where she made the house smell bad before we got here, or so she says. Mm. <laughs> Maybe she just heard about us. She's like, oh yeah, they're hobos, they stink. So she Fair had, enough. She had like four different types of fans and HEPA filters going. Yeah, I saw a post on Facebook this morning that was uh, like from the World Health Center or something saying, if you uh, visit your family or friends this holiday, um, try to do it outside. And if you have to be inside, try to leave the windows open. And if it's too hot or too cold, try to open the windows every 10 minutes. And uh, I was thinking, well, that's just generally good advice. You know, I almost shared that. It was my first like pro-COVID thing I was about to share because I was like, Wow, you know, like if people were outside more, I mean, this whole pandemic wouldn't really be a thing. But, of course, that's kind of a, a ongoing debate whether this pandemic really is a thing anyway. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But then I thought, like, um, you know, that we're inside this house right now over Christmas Eve, now into Christmas, or we're leaving later today. And uh, I kind of miss the fire. I miss the outside already. Yeah. So. It's uh, it's nice to binge watch Alone, which we've been watching, the, the show Alone. And uh, it's not definitely nice to take a hot shower. We hadn't had a... Um, any sort of bathing. Any kind of bathing for days. And I think we're kind of falling into that pattern, more like uh, they used to do in the 1800s, where you like bathe once a week or something. Every six months. Yeah, we used to like make it happen every day, even if it's going in a uh, bathroom, like at a gas station or something, and just wipe, wiping down. But... I don't know. I got to say, for me, it feels. Uh, I think it's kind of bumped down on my priority list more than before. Maybe that's part of what we're moving into in van life is just like not bathing as much, which so far I feel okay with. Uh, any thoughts, Teresa, on your hygiene? Um, I definitely do feel cleaner after bathing. That's for sure. And I just want to make a note, like 
Okay, so we're I'm pet sitting in this house. Teresa's rushing around making coffee and bagels right now. Yeah. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight visible cleaning products in the kitchen just where I'm standing. And it's not because, you know, she just keeps everything out. It's like you have to be so neurotic when you're in a house because it's so absolutely dirty and needs to be cleaned in here. How many cleaning products do I have at our campsite? One, and that's to clean the dishes. It's a little net thing. Of course, to play the devil's advocate, uh, I'm not sure that the van is in any, any kind of hygienic state. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we clean that once a month, that's and really sometimes by the end of the month, it needs it. It's gross. Bad. Um, yeah, and it's a mild Christmas, uh, Again, you know. Huh? I think it was like this the last time we were at this house a couple years ago. It wasn't Christmas we were here before, was it? Oh, maybe not. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I think it was like spring. But yeah, um, you know, and we talked a lot about Christmas and everything in our last episode, which oddly we just recorded yesterday, but these are going to be released a week apart. Um, and yeah, I guess we're looking forward to uh, going to leave pretty soon, grab one more shower, have breakfast, have coffee. Take the dogs on a walk, and we're out of here and making our way back to Rock Bottom, where we have our campfire, and I'm building all my little bushcraft chairs and stuff, and I guess it's kind of our, it's become our winter camp. <clears throat> Every winter that we've been here in Bahama, living out of a van, we've spent more and more time at Rock Bottom. Until now, I think it's become just kind of our uh, default place. It's sort of our winter home, and we're more nomadic in the summer. Um but yeah, and something I'm looking forward to for next year is now I have two classes with kids to teach on Thursday and Friday, um, starting in January, possibly going till we leave at the end of probably April. Um, but I'm excited by the opportunity. That's like going to be about $300 a week for me, which is going to go a long ways with the way we live if I save up everything I can and you know, help get us through the summer and into the next year or next uh, winter. <laughs> but kind of daunted, too, because like I've shared before, I've got kind of mixed feelings about uh, about teaching. I kind of feel like there's not much to be taught. It's just you have to kind of learn it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, trying to balance what I want to share with the kids, what they're able to take, what my uh, what realistic expectations are, and not getting wrapped up in my head with unrealistic expectations. Um, what's important to these kids? Because I know the parents, where they're coming from, why they hired me in particular <laughs> is because I've taken such a strong anti-mask stance. Um, so they're kind of thinking like society, you know, they're worried about where it's going and they want to prepare their kids. And wow, think about it. Think about if you've got... A group of, how old are these kids? Um, anywhere from 9 or 10 to 16. Yeah, so that age range, that's a wide range of skills. And I've got three hours with them once a week. Now I'm going to have two groups, so three hours with each different group once a week. Um, what would you teach them? You're out in the woods with them. You live in a van, so it's not like you got a whole garage full of stuff to get them working on. Um, so what would you teach them to really get them ready for the collapse of society? It's just... I don't know. It's nothing you can really uh, prepare somebody for in that format. It takes a lot more time and effort. So, you know, trying to juggle all that, 
trying to like feel good about the way I'm making my money. You know, am I coming by it honest? Am I given what is being asked of me? For instance, someone asked me to build them a primitive shelter. Um, and I was kind of torn about that because it was like a opportunity, you know, to make money an indeterminate amount of money. They wanted me to come out and just kind of look at it and then decide how much money I thought it might be worth to build this thing. But I told them, um, I didn't really feel good about doing that because I feel like a shelter, especially a, a survival shelter, a primitive shelter is a living thing. And if you really want a survival shelter, you should build it yourself because there's so much troubleshooting involved. It's a relationship. Like if I build a shelter, everything I've ever built, that's like bushcraft, whether it's a chair or a shelter or whatever, it's going to need some attention. Like it needs troubleshooting. It's not just whip it up and it's done. You can't predict every weakness and every branch, you know, it, it's a more of a relationship. It takes more time. So if it was just someplace way out in the middle of nowhere and I was never going to see this person again and they said, just give it your best shot, that's going to be good enough. I, I might do that. But this is going to be a place that's, uh, near where I'm teaching the kids. I'm going to see this shelter and, uh, if I see it start to fail, I'm going to feel like uh, obligated to fix it and troubleshoot it and work on it. So it's not just going to be a clean job like, okay, you're paid, you're done. It's going to be a relationship that I don't really want to have with this shelter because I'm going to build my own shelter. I've got my own project. So, um, yeah, that's what I, I told him is, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea and um, – I'd be doing you a disservice by accepting this job. Like, you really should build your own shelter. If you want any advice, I've got some experience um, with it, and I'll give you what I can pass on. But um, as far as putting my hands on it, I didn't really want to. Um, and we're almost done with this entry for this Christmas morning Saturday. Are there any final thoughts in this last uh, dwindling minute, Teresa, that you want to share since I've been doing a lot of talking? <laughs> I guess I'm just glad that we had a good night's rest last night. We got to um, just kind of veg out and watch some Alone, um, the season four of Alone. And, uh, yeah, it'll be nice to get back out to the country because living even for <laughs> even for half a day in the city, uh, we've gotten kind of bothered by, well, I've gotten um, two people. And last night, this guy was, like, trying to ask me for money to help him buy a phone on the street. And he was like, hey, you know, it's me. It's Michael. I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> Who do you think I am? I don't live and here. And it was just a hustle. I wish uh, yeah. Teresa would have turned it around on him and, like, well, you remember me, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and again, man, we just recorded our last episode, and uh, this guy's black, too. And I should have said, well, if you need money, why don't you go up to one of those houses on this street that have the Black Lives Matter signs and see if they'll give you 5 or $10 for your broken phone. Yeah. Well, on that note, Merry <laughs> Christmas and uh, Happy Solstice. Woo! We're back in the field that we have made our own in the country. And it's 9 in the morning and the sun is shining. And boy, yesterday was a beautiful winter day. Yeah, the day itself was like a Christmas present. It was just a perfect, gorgeous day. So after we left the the house-sitting gig, you know, Teresa cleaned up after herself and everything and left it where she, you know, felt good about it. Um, 
we kind of meandered our way over to one of our favorite parks to fill up our water bottles and just ended up spending the whole day until dark there, like um, getting high and playing tennis, laying in the sun, meditating in the field. Teresa's waving the iPad around, so I'm going to sound like even more like an idiot. Um, <laughs> and yes, Teresa, would you like to chime in there before you rob? Oh, there you go again. <laughs> go for it, Teresa. You've got something to say. I can't hold this iPad. It's too difficult for me. Um, yeah, I was just going to say meditating in, in this beautiful field again. You mean you took that thing away from me to repeat what I just said? Yes. God damn it. Um, and I also, I took the time yesterday to call a couple family members that are, um, well, most of them that I called are kind of just living by themselves now, or they've been living by themselves in the case of my uncle. And, um, just really, you know, tried to have great conversations, uh, on a day that's a little, the holiday is a little difficult for our family this year. And man, uh, Gumby offered me some weed as I was talking to my grandma. Oh my God. I was getting so bored because Teresa, I mean, I'm not criticizing Teresa for this. I think it's awesome that she's got family that she wants to connect with and has that much to say. That's just no, not the way I am. I didn't grow up with family. Um, what little family I have, we don't have a lot to say to each other. So I think that's awesome. But of course, I'm waiting to play some tennis. I'm getting bored. It's like over an hour and I don't really have anything to occupy myself with in this little hour. So partly to entertain myself and partly to get ready for the tennis match, I load up some weed and like, I'm kind of like, uh, holding the lighter for (laughs) Teresa to take a hit while she's talking to her grandma. And oh my God, that was so entertaining to watch you like try to navigate your dawning, uh, high, (laughs) carrying on this conversation with your grandmother. Do I have to sneeze? Hold this. (coughs) Wow. Thank you for not uh, sneezing into the iPad. There's a second. Oh my God. A twosie. (coughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm generally a two for two. I'm trying to be more like you these days. But yeah, so I'm talking to my grandma and I, there's there's nothing I'm going to say that I intend to be hurtful in any way about my grandma. I love my grandma. It's been it's been a um an interesting relationship I've had with my grandma and grandpa, my dad's parents because well, they were much younger when I was born, obviously, but they were like young grandparents. And so they kind of had their, they still had like their own kids that they were raising when I was their uh, grandbaby. So it was kind of like, oh, you're our grandkid, but we're not really ready to be grandparents yet. So uh, it was just kind of confusing to navigate. And my mom didn't really necessarily help that, but that's okay. That's just the journey. But, um, you know, I've, Gumby and I have talked about, uh, the elderly, our elders and how it's a shame that, uh, a lot of times it seems like anymore these days, elders don't really have much to offer. And it's so upside down that, um, because of technology, the younger generations are actually the ones that seem to know everything because of, you know, smartphones, computer viruses and, all this stuff happening with like, I don't know, like cryptocurrency and crap like that. And the younger kids, uh, know more about that than, than the older kids. (laughs) But yesterday, as I was getting high, I finally, through no fault of my grandma, um, I finally heard her wisdom 
And Gumby and I had this amazing conversation, at least it felt amazing being high, about wisdom. And you think that wisdom is going to sound a certain way. Gumby, you said like Yoda. (laughs) Yeah, like we expect wisdom to have this kind of like, you know, little fortune cookie kind of feel, like just unmistakable, like, wow, that that was like so calm and everything. But I really like your reflection of... uh, how wisdom comes from like the depth of experience. It's it's like yeah. Well, I'll let you continue with your description. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially what it boils down to. Is it's not necessarily the words. And the example I gave when I was extremely high was you could ask an a person who has had a lot of life experience. They they're up there in age. A question. Maybe it's a yes or no question. And their answer is you know for example yes. Yes, in and of itself isn't like, whoa, gong, you know, just like, wow, that was so insightful. But it's the experience behind what led up to them answering that question, yes or no, or maybe they have a different answer. That's the wisdom. So wisdom is kind of like alongside words. But we were also talking yesterday about how words can only get us so far in explaining these types of things. Yeah, I don't think that's... Hold this, I gotta blow my nose. Okay. I don't think that's just because we were high. Like, I thought that was a... I still think that's an interesting observation that Teresa had that, uh, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say with the wisdom and the packaging is we expect wisdom to be what is said. But I think Teresa's uh, observation, epiphany there, is what if wisdom is more where it's coming from? Like... What said, you can take it or leave it. You can agree with it or not. You don't need to agree with everything that comes from a place of wisdom coming from an elder. But it's where it's coming from, which is the the depth of the experience, a person that's been here longer, that the the wisdom is embedded in. And um, that got us to kind of reflect on, like, the relationship between young and old, which I thought was pretty interesting because, you know, we were discussing yesterday how, yeah, old people, like, part of being old is to be around young people. So when you're people like me and Teresa that have kind of cut off the generation, you know, we don't have kids, so we're not going to have grandkids. Um, we're more and more alienated to different degrees from our parents. So that that line is broken. But you kind of feel it, you know. Sometimes you're distracted and you don't feel it as much. But when you sit down at other times, like let's say, the traditional holidays of our culture when we uh, feel the pressure to get together with our families, it's more poignant. And I think part of being old is you're supposed to be around the young. The young remind you of the purpose of life. We were watching a little kid, a family in a field in the, the ballpark beside us at this park, and there was a tiny little toddler, and the father was running back and forth with a kite. You could tell it was the toddler's first time seeing a kite. <laughs> and it's like, wow, this toddler just like watched the kite and then fell on her, I think it was a little girl, fell on her belly and just laid in the grass. And you could see the way she laid on the grass, like there was nothing attached to it. It wasn't like she wasn't thinking about bugs or what to do next, or if she was hungry, it was just grass. She was experiencing (laughs) it. And I was thinking, that's what the young do to help complete this whole process of getting old is like this depth of wisdom you accumulate, you know, this experience Um, You might not always know what to say, but you've got the experience. It's there. Just for having been in this world for as long as you have, you've got the experience there. There's something to share. But if you don't have the person to share it with, you know, some kind of contact with the young, which I get a little bit through teaching and being around kids, and I'm really grateful for, 
but you don't have the why. You don't have the reason. Like, what is life about? Because it's you're kind of vicariously experiencing it through the young, I feel like. You know, like, I can't experience grass again for the first time or a kite for the first time. But the kids remind me that it's a miracle. I can experience it through them. Mm. And the memory gets rekindled, and it completes me. It completes me as I get older. And likewise, the young need the old because in this, like, adventure of new experiences and new thoughts, that depth of experience, it helps temper it. That's the other, like, the young shouldn't exist without the old. Um, that's the other part of their true self is to be around the old. That's that's the the bigger sense of self. I'm getting clumsy with my language here, but... You know, to kind of temper that, to, to add the depth of experience to be behind your new adventure. What was that quote that you said yesterday about um, about the fences? Like, don't take down a fence until you know why it's there? Uh, there's some kind of name for this. It's like a theory or something. I can't remember as usual. But basically, the premise is don't take down a fence unless you know what it's for. So be careful what you take down. Like, be sure you know what it got built in the first place to do. Um, and I just think that's a really, that comes from depth of experience. You know, the new person wants to take down the fence just to see what'll happen. Sometimes something new and exciting, sometimes, uh, harm comes from that, that you can't go back and fix, but the depth of experience says, well, understand it first. You might not like the fence, but do you really know what it's for? Do you know why it got built in the first place? Once you really know why, maybe it's time to take down the fence. Yeah, and we just we just recorded an episode not too long ago about um, the the writings of Carlos Castaneda. Ooh, how long is this supposed to be? Ten minutes? Okay, sorry, I'll hurry up. Um, I just wanted to say these things anyway. Um, and Carlos Castaneda, in his writings, like the teachings of Don Juan, he starts to talk about the assemblage point and how um, when you're born, your assemblage point is kind of erratic like imagine there's this kind of like a, a bubble around you and this point um, is not fixed so when you're a baby and especially when you're younger um, it feels like you can be anything and then through your parents through experiences your assemblage point starts to become fixed and it seems so sad but on the other hand as we were talking about yesterday Gumby and I um that assemblage point, if it isn't fixed, what are the repercussions of that? And it could lead to just absolute chaos in your life. Like if you just keep changing, 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 changing all your identities, you know, what is that leading you? What's the path that you're going down? Like, is, is it worth it to just be so, uh, unfixed? And something else that my grandma said, and I'll try to wrap this up. Um, she has lost her two sons now and, uh, and her husband this, this year. And, uh, she's kind of down and saying like, for some stupid reason, I'm still alive. Um, and I just wanted to like go through the telephone line and somehow hug her when she said that. And we were talking about like, you know, why things are the way they are. And she said something also to the effect of, you know, your parents are, the best parents that you could ever ask for. And even though a lot of times, and getting back to like the wisdom of, of the elderly, um, a lot of times when older people say stuff, I, it kind of goes into this yeah, yeah, yeah file for me. And Gumby's like, I'm from, you know, we, we live in the South. I don't think a yeah, yeah, yeah file exists. But for me, 
um, what that means is older people sometimes say stuff and it sounds like, okay, I've heard this before. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just repeating stuff. But yesterday in my heightened state of awareness, it just all of a sudden clicked. And it, I said to my grandma, and of course, hopefully I didn't sound like I was too high. I said, uh, it's been there all along. It's been there right in front of us. Of course, these are the best parents that you could have asked for because this is your life's experience. Like, of course, you could have had different a different set of parents and a different experience, but in this life, that's the best that you could have asked for because this is your experience. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't make sense to you listeners, but yesterday it was just uh, a series of epiphanies. And I urge you to consider um, if you are speaking with someone who's uh, up there in age, don't listen for really uh, the words so much that they're saying, but listen for the experience that they've had, because that's the wisdom behind what they're saying. And we've gone well over 10 minutes, so Gumby is done, <laughs> and I'm going to sign off, and uh, maybe we'll have even more insights for our next entry. Day 1001 of Alone with Teresa in the Van, <laughs> also known as Season of the Witch. Oh. And um, I just got to say that I, uh, it's it's been challenging. <laughs> you know, you think you know, like it's going to be hard and you get, you know, you, you're prepared, but uh, nothing can prepare you for this. So, um, Teresa, do you have any thoughts? Oh, man. You know, yesterday was our 1,000th day in the van, and I got to say, Gumby, you had uh, quite a reflection. I think you can sum it up in two words. Oh, no. Booger paper. And that's all I got. Really? We got 10 minutes and you're at the <laughs> booger paper? No, but it, try saying it five times fast. I'm not even going to say it one more time. <laughs> but yesterday, yeah, it was our 1,000th day, so we tried to... Uh, to celebrate and kind of figured out what we might want out of a day like that. And it turned out like the day itself was just so gorgeous and sunny and mild. Mm -hmm. We took a walk through the woods down to the lake, which uh, was really nice. And we got this little spot that we can get to on the lake that we've never seen another soul there. Um, so we always have it completely to ourselves, which is, you know, it's one thing to have a little spot on the river to yourself. That's really special and magical. Or a creek. But it's amazing to, at this day and age, to come to a lake and feel like you have that to yourself where you can just get naked. And we both ended up submerging, even though the water is like end of December cold. Um, <laughs> but we both said, screw it, you know, beautiful, mild, sunny day. And it's a baptism, a renewal. Um, made some good food, had some good food. Uh, I drank some beer. We both smoked a little weed. Uh, yeah, we just kind of took it easy and did all the things we enjoyed and tried to kind of shuffle some of the the chores. Oh, I think Teresa feels like she's got more chores. I just kind of, I got a few things I got to do and I don't know, they don't bother me as much, but I will we tried say, to let go of uh, as much of that as we could and just enjoy the day. I will say that the meal yesterday, we did a beautiful job of sharing the work. Like you made two things. I made two things. We had one fire going, limited dishes and utensils and, uh, yeah, and it came out beautifully. Salmon, turnip greens, and some uh, lion's mane mushroom that you cooked up, mixed in, and mac and cheese. Yeah, good day. And today, um, it's 11 o'clock on Monday, 
Um, and yeah, we've uh, had breakfast. Um, slash brunch. Slash brunch, yeah. Dinner. <laughs> we generally have like two meals a day with snacks in between. And it's uh, cloudier today, a little bit cooler, but I mean, not the kind of weather you can really complain about at the end of December. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's just going to warm right back up tomorrow. Um, are there any uh, thoughts or reflections that you want to make sure that we uh, discuss before our, our time runs out? Teresa? Well, man, we were so high yesterday, and we were having really good conversation. And you called it, Gumby. You said we're not going to remember any of this for our recording for today. And you're right. I don't. Well, a couple things we've been listening to. We were listening to <laughs> a, uh, a book review on a book by Thomas Sowell, Sowell Sowell, mm-hmm. um, called uh, uh, White Liberals and Black Rednecks. It's actually... The other way around. Black rednecks and white liberals. Yeah. yeah, and that was really interesting. He was a black author, Thomas Sowell, and he's uh, getting into kind of the a lot of the things that we think about history and how things got to be this way, especially regarding uh, racism and how a lot of these things just aren't so. Their origins aren't where they uh, we think they come from. And I thought that was really interesting. We haven't read the book yet. It is on my uh, long, long list of books to read. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. A bunch of essays, so... I feel like I can kind of plug that already, um, just as it sounds like a book that'll get you thinking, that'll uh, definitely stimulate some uh, conversations, so and it's sounded right pretty in, awesome. It's right in line with a lot of what we've been talking about in these last couple episodes, which is like, work on yourself, because even if there is systemic racism, what good is it going to do to be to continue to be a victim? You're just playing right into what those racist people that are in the system running everything want you to be a victim that doesn't solve anything. So fucking work on yourself. Amen. And, uh, yeah, we're listening to this morning. We, uh, interrupted our, uh, podcast we're listening to, to record this, um, union of the unwanted. I really like their podcast cause they kind of bring in all the, uh, the podcasters that talk about like conspiracy theorists type of stuff. And uh, often they bring in experts like doctors. And so they're talking a lot about uh, artificial intelligence and, you know, where we're being led next and the pandemic and uh, a lot of interesting things. (coughs) So that was enjoyable. Did you have any uh, thing that jumped out at you from what we've been listening to that uh, you thought would be good to share? Well, there was this one guy, I don't know what his name is, but he was talking in a very, you know, even-toned voice about all the things that he's experienced and and witnessed. And then he started talking about, like, kind of uh, weirder stuff than what you'd expect to hear from somebody that's just speaking with a, you know, even-toned voice. But Gumby reminded me, like, that actually is what when we were reading Carlos Castaneda, like Don Juan was talking about as far as inorganic beings and, and places of power and places, um, just like the natural world is full of different energies and we might not be able to explain it with our words or with our science, but it's there and it's working on us. And so who am I to judge this guy? Sound a little crazy, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm in the same old debates on Facebook uh, with some of the same old people about the same old things. Um, 
I'm uh, debating with one person who posted a a post something to the effect of, uh, well, if we're about to legalize marijuana, um, why don't we free all the black people that are currently imprisoned on marijuana charges? Um, this is a form of institutional racism. Now, I am totally in support of freeing all the people that have existing charges. Um, you know, they should have never been imprisoned in the first place, as they talk about in uh, kind of libertarian circles. That's a nonviolent uh, crime. Um, so, yeah, as, as quickly as we can, whether laws get changed or not, I, I feel like these people should um, be released. But the, the point of contention between us was when she said this was institutional racism. And I was saying, what about the white people that are in prison with uh, drug charges? What about, uh, hell, I've been arrested for drug paraphernalia. Um, when we bring that institutional racism into it, we pollute what otherwise is an idea that I think we can, a lot of us can get behind. And it just, it's the same old just unthought through shit. Um, when I brought that up to her, she was just like, oh, well, I, I think everybody should be released from these charges. What's the problem? And she didn't even pause. It didn't even, like, give her pause to think of, like, <laughs> well, does this call into uh, question the idea of institutional racism as being behind this? If we're talking about white people also getting arrested, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's as usual, it feels like a little seed of truth that gets polluted with nonsense. Um, you know, as I brought up to her. I have sold drugs. I bought drugs, um, both from black people and white people. And I've gone to jail um, with other drug dealers, you know, like seen who was in jail and for what. And I'll tell you, most of the white drug dealers um, that I've encountered um, tend to be more cautious. They tend to really want to know who they're selling drugs to. They go through friends of a friend. They have ways of kind of screening people. Whereas most of the black people I've encountered that are in jail, that are imprisoned, um, their drug dealing style goes more like wandering the streets suspiciously in bad neighborhoods and hooting at cars that go by, strangers in cars, like, whoo, 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 what you want? I got what you want, whoo! <laughs> so I just suggested that that could possibly be one factor in why a lot more people of color might be imprisoned. Now, I'm why that is, that can be a whole separate conversation, but it's my personal observation. I'm not making that up. Um, I feel like if you talk to a lot of people who've been in prison, you'd have a hard time finding someone who'd say, oh, that's absolute nonsense. No, absolutely not. That's not what we see. So we got a lot of white middle class people who have no fucking idea, as usual, what the hell they're talking about, um, just digging in their heels, um, describing something they really don't have any experience in, and it's just nonsense. It doesn't bear the weight of reason. Um, Teresa, any thoughts on that? Our 10 minutes is almost up, and any final thought if you have anything that you want to uh, add to this? Well, as far as what you just said, yeah, I, I think it has uh, just really settled in with people not thinking through, and I, I mean, that includes myself. Um, just what we believe in and, and, uh, questioning that and also looking forward to tomorrow being my day out in the woods. I've been talking about it for quite some time and it is, uh, it is upon us. Yeah. So our 10 minutes is up. So even though I got a lot more to say, I'm going to hold to that 10 minutes and, uh, I guess we'll see what's on our minds tomorrow. It is one o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. 
the 28th of December, and it's hot. Yes. And I, we are recording live from the site of Teresa's Fortress of Solitude. Is that what you called it? Yeah. Um, I'm out here in the woods doing my day in the woods. I had a bitch of a time getting a fire today. Gumby suggested that I bring one match. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take something to drink because I got some smoke and probably nastiness in my lungs. But uh, I brought one match, fully intending to get a fire with that one match. Did not get a fire with the match. I also brought my uh, magnesium striker and I collected, I had collected some cedar bark to make into a little nest for my my magnesium striker fire in case the uh, match didn't work. How did you not get a fire with one match? It's like been so dry. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the dryness. I basically, um, I struck the match on the box. I struck it again because it didn't light and it broke in half. And I struck it again with the little bit that was, you know, the half a match that was left. And my pussy ass, like, couldn't hold on to the match long enough for it to light. And I dropped it Mm -hmm. in the fire pit. No fire with the one match. And then, not to bore the listeners here, but a magnesium striker, if you have one and you're just like, oh, yeah, the principle is you just uh, get a pile of magnesium and then you strike it. When get a spark in there and it starts your fire. All right. Well, you try that. I uh, <laughs> I finally realized that the magnesium striker has more sides than just that one little side that I've been scraping on. And I used my knife to get more and more and more magnesium into a little pile in my cedar bundle. And I could not get it. It, it lit. There would be a flame. And I'm like, ooh, and then it would go away. I think I worked on this for about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. Did you use the broom sedge that's grown in the field nearby? I did not. I ended up using a piece of char cloth like I did the first time, and it worked really well. Um, It caught a spark off of the magnesium striker, the striker part, and I had my bundle, my tinder bundle of cedar, and I had tiny sticks, And then I collected big logs of wood. I think this is maybe oak. Um, So I've had a a raging fire ever since then. And I've burnt some of the uh, nasty moldy sheets that were in our hobo wigwam. And I've been taking it apart. And hopefully I've uncovered so many things that would have probably scared away a lesser hobo. Cockroaches, giant spiders... Baby spiders, all sorts of spiders. No snakes, though. And a uh, a lizard that had, like, red and black. It was like a red-striped lizard or something. And you have ants all over you. Okay, go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't have anything to say. Oh, and I also found... Not, not only did I find um, evidence of mice living in our hobo wigwam and all sorts of other like insects and arachnids and stuff, but uh, I also saw the evidence of at least one human had been in there, and I think I know who because she dropped her pack of cigarettes, and we have them. Darling, if you would like to come back and get them, I feel really bad because it's almost a full pack of cigarettes. 
<laughs> it was just left in the hobo when she was helping me to take the uh, that nasty moldy sheet down. I used to, uh, if I found cigarettes like that, I'd just like tear out the tobacco and put them in a little pouch as kind of like a way to, I don't know, give thanks or something. Even though I kind of feel like I don't like that tradition that much as a white person, I feel like I don't connect with it. It kind of feels like playing Indian to me. But at the same time, it is something. You know, I feel like it's a, a gesture and it gives a, uh, a moment to at least consider like, oh, I should give gratitude here. So there is that. So if there's no other use that you can think of for those cigarettes, I'd consider that. And you can stick the filters up your nose in case of a riot with um, pepper spray. Although I'm not sure if that actually works. According to the Black Panthers. Yeah, according to the Black Panthers, they should have some knowledge of it. So um, any other questions you have about my day? Uh, no. I mean, I assume you're sharing anything that feels like something worth sharing. Yeah, that fire was a struggle, and when I finally got my fire, I almost, like, I was at the verge of tears. And I've been burning myself a lot, a lot, like, the past two days, I've been burning my hands, just me and fire, like, we need to, we need to have a, a getting together talk again, I don't know. But the sun is out, so it's not like I even need a big fire today. Yeah, it is so sunny and hot today. Um, it kind of has that siesta energy of like, you kind of feel like you want to take a nap or something and just kind of sleep in the middle part of the day. <laughs> so I would usually leave Teresa alone on her day of solitude. But since we're doing this podcast in this way, I've come down for the 10 minutes of recording. Um, and after that, I'm going to continue on to the lake. And, uh, yeah, it'll be a good day to go to the lake and uh, possibly submerge, take a dip in December. Um, And I guess one thing I was thinking of uh, just now as you were talking is uh, we were sitting around the campfire last night. And um, I was just watching this beautiful fire dance in the darkness and, you know, the the warm orangey glow of the things in the immediate circle around the fire, campfire light. And... um, I was telling Teresa, you know, for all the things I can say that are hard or challenging about uh, living outside most of the time, it's uh, one thing I'm really glad about is the beauty. Like there's this Navajo prayer. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's something to the effect of uh, with beauty before me, I walk with beauty behind me. I walk with beauty all around me. I walk. I walk in beauty. Um And I feel like that's the way the hobo path feels, or I guess any path that's outside, perhaps. Um, But yeah, just so often I look around and like there's that giant sky full of stars sometimes, or a sunset, or a sunrise, or big, huge clouds drifting across, or the campfire light, you know, just dancing, or the, the impenetrable darkness outside of the campfire light, or this breeze coming in that just feels like so nice and cool and refreshing or this warm breeze in the south that smells kind of sweet and like corn um and going down to the lake you know just saw the beauty down there so i feel like um whatever else i might be able to say about my life it's been a life full of beauty and that's one big important thing going for living a life outside for all of the uh, other things you hear about, you know, the people talk about sun damage, uh, getting premature wrinkles, all the dangers and threats of outdoor life. Um, but they don't talk about the beauty as much. And I think that is at least as important as the perils, um, if not more so. And I would just like to add to that, 
because we have some time left. The uh, the hobo wigwam. We actually have. Do we have that video on YouTube? Like part one. Yeah, we have the uh, just the external frame before we tried to cover it. Ah, okay. We might have pictures uh, somewhere after we covered it. We covered it with some. Uh, carpeting of various types that we found next to a dumpster, which sounds disgusting, and it kind of is. But it worked, like, really well to insulate. Uh, We just, when we finally covered the wigwam, we had, like, all sorts of tarps that we had scavenged and uh, this carpeting to, to keep the warmth in and the wind out. It just wouldn't ventilate right. But I am doing my best to, like, do it right um, taking this down today. And my, my thought was, I don't think I'd rather be doing any other kind of work today. Like it just seems like the day to take this down for all the animals that were living in there to find another home. It's going to be warm the next couple days with rain. Um, and just how lucky I am that the work I'm doing with my hands, it's, it's actually something I can see. It's tangible, you know, like it took a long time for us to put this wigwam up and it's, it's probably going to only take me a day or so to take it all down, but it just feels right. And with the sun shining and it being warm today, I'm just so glad I'm outside too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other evening we were walking and, uh, we were both kind of feeling tired and I was like, but it's that good tired. Like, you've done work that means something to you. And I do like the idea of like putting my labor towards um, things that make immediate sense, not just some arbitrary thing where I get a paycheck, but, um, you know, working towards something that's like a direct um, connection. And with that, it's coming up on 10 minutes. So uh, I guess I'll head down to the lake after you, but uh, enjoy the rest of your day, Gumby. Thank you. You too. It is 3 o'clock on a very warm, uh, cloudy Wednesday. Um, in th- December. 3 p.m. in December. What's the date? The 29th. The 29th. And, uh, whew, I'm pooped. I'm uh, working on, I'm like, every month I try to focus on a different set of skills, and this month has been, like, flint napping and wood tools, and along with wood tools, I've been working on, like, kind of bushcraft-style furniture, so I just cut down a few trees to make a... Uh, picnic table hopefully um so yeah i'm trying to catch my breath after that and while i'm catching my breath Teresa, is there anything on your mind i did my day in the woods as we recorded um a little bit yesterday and uh an update to that i finally decided to eat some dock seeds um curly dock i think it is i toasted them just plain in a dry pan over the fire and uh they tasted kind of like unflavored popcorn a little. Not much of a taste as far as I was concerned, but they weren't unpleasant. It was kind of nice to just chew on something because I didn't have much food out there. And uh, I ate probably about mm, like three quarters of a cup of seeds. And the thing is, the seeds are really small and to get rid of the husk is a lot of work. So most people just say, you just eat it with the husk, but it's a lot of fiber. So about 11 o'clock last night, I'm sitting or laying in the hammock. I was asleep and I hear a gunshot, which out here in the country means something a lot different than gunshots in the city. Um, But it woke me up and I started like getting really worried that 
in 40 years, I had never eaten this food before, the seeds of the dock plant. And uh, I started thinking like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, why did I just ingest all of those seeds? I don't know who these people are online telling me they're okay to eat. And I ate a good enough quantity of them to mess me up if it was going to happen. But nothing happened. But I was freaking out. And then I got up again and I started freaking out about the woods. And I dealt with it. But it was um, it was a little alarming. And the wind last night, Gumby, you were in the van so you didn't really get wind of the wind, but it was something, it was like swirling around like it was looking for somebody, and uh, that was also unsettling. Did you catch your breath? A little bit. Yeah, it's, uh, and today has continued to be a really um, unusually, unusual feeling day. Um, It's one thing to say cloudy and warm in December, you know, that sounds unusual, but then a day has a spirit, you know, kind of a soul. Every day has its own mood. And uh, the mood today has been, uh, especially this morning, felt kind of ominous, um, just kind of unsettled. And uh, it feels like it's kind of calmed down a little bit now. There's like a little bit of sun trying to filter through the clouds. But uh, let's see, what's been on my mind? Well, uh, Tim from Maine, one of our listeners um, who writes in pretty often, uh, shared a link with me um, to a J.P. Sears uh the, the red-haired comedian, um, one of his videos. I used to watch a lot of his videos, and then I started kind of not thinking he was that funny. He just kind of does the same voice, the same sort of mockery of how dumb things are over and over and over. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, he got a little old to me, but the news that he shares um, sometimes is really eye-opening. And likewise, this link, you know, he's talking about what's happening in New York. Um and, you know, it was occurring to me, those old Kurt Russell movies, like Escape from New York and then Escape from L.A. These are the two main hubs it seems like people are trying to escape from now because of these vax mandates, this uh, really authoritarian, um, these measures that they're taking where they are really targeting and going after people who don't want to get the vaccine. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's infuriating. It's uh, really disturbing times we live in. Um that there seems to be such uh, a growing witch hunt and that people you thought would kind of stick up for you, even if you disagreed, are now like supporting measures, even your own family members sometimes, that just sort of take away your rights, that say, no, you actually, we don't respect your choice. You need to do exactly what we say. And if we say you need to be part of a science experiment, then God damn it, you do. Or you don't get to participate in the society that they've been stealing money from my paychecks ever since I worked. Um, and any purchase I've ever bought, you know, they take tax. So all that investment, all those years, and now it's, you know, this kind of line they're drawing in the sand, like, nope, you either get on board with what we want or, uh, you're out. And, um, yeah, with that choice, I'm, I'm definitely out. (laughs) Speaking of being, uh, wanting to escape society, uh, have you shared yet on any of these? I don't think we have that, uh, uncle Ted has been moved to, well, you say within walking distance, but at least like a, maybe 10 miles. We've walked more than 10 miles before. Okay. That's true. So within walking distance of us, Hey, uncle Ted, Mm-hmm. I can see you. And for those of you who don't know him by that name, that's Ted Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber. 
Yeah, he's um he's now 79 years old, and unfortunately the reason why he was moved is because he might have some sort of serious medical issue and they bring prisoners of I guess all different um security levels to this facility in Butner, North Carolina, which Butner is a place that's kind of ominous and strange as well. Uh we try not to go there. But uh Granville County. Woo! Woo! Something else, I'm, I'm sitting here next to our fire, and uh, there happens to be a log that has ants. It's These ants have been, I took the log out of the fire, and they were like kind of hemming and hawing, and then the log got put back in the fire, and Gumby put a stick so that they could uh, transport whatever they're doing out of the log. But it reminds me of society, you know, like the log is on fire. What are you doing? And us ants are like, I don't know, but I know the log. So I'm just going to stay here and wait till it burns. Teresa described it as being like the Titanic. There's a a few ants we can see on top right now, slowly playing a violin. And (laughs) I think I saw a couple of old ants earlier laying in bed together, holding hands as the log burns. So it's, uh, it's pretty sad. But, you know, ants on a log, um, not the food, but... I've I've watched this phenomenon before and had pretty much the same thought, which is like, why don't they get out? It's not working. It's in fact going to kill them. And aren't we just all ants on a burning log? I actually have more respect for the ants. Um, the ants, you know, with what sensory organs they're given and the way their minds work, I imagine they're doing the best they can. And uh, I don't think I can say the same for humanity. Hmm. Um, I don't think we're doing the best we can. I think we know better. Um, I know we know better. I was uh, actually in a discussion on uh, Facebook, um, well, this week, because I get on it off and on, you know, so it's uh, discussions tend to last a few days, but kind of the same old discussion about whether we should fight civilization or abandon it. And, uh, you know, you can point out to people over and over and over, um, what do you mean by fight? And, uh, well, have you read Derek Jensen's book? <laughs> yeah, I actually got on uh, one of Derek Jensen's posts and, you know, I was like, what's the solution here? Everybody's talking about taking down civilization, but you guys are still using electricity. Um, we're all using electricity. I'm not trying to, you know, people f- turn that around on me like, well, you are too. Yeah, I'm not claiming to be free of it, but I'm taking measures. I'm continually moving in a direction. And I think that's the best we can do. Some people can break free and wow, I'm impressed. But we all know it's possible. So these people that aren't even trying to slowly break free and talk about uh, taking down civilization, I don't get it. And every time I pin them down and, and say, well, what do you mean by fight? What fight? I mean, you yourself are saying that there's no way to have electricity without contributing to evil things. So how come you're not trying harder to learn to do without electricity? We know it can be done. Humans did it for a long, long time. And uh, I'm just... I get exhausted with how that doesn't even come up in a conversation. Um, To me, there's only one fight, and that's to not need civilization. Once you get free of it and you are no longer actively funding it, that's the thing. How can, I mean, even Derek Jensen, right in the books he is, and kind of supporting the activists that he does, is his output offset by how much he's funding the very civilization he's saying we should try to destroy. Um, I don't know. But to me, breaking free is is everything and then go from there. Um, And these ants, I was kind of mocking their plight earlier. I didn't mean to because actually I I feel for these ants. It's it's tough. Um, That's one of the things I like. Huh? 
There's a centipede, too, that just came out. Yeah, I've noticed the centipedes seem to be smarter. They often escape very successfully. <laughs> um, and it's tough, you know, working with stuff in the woods, like burning firewood from the woods and things like that, because you often uh, cause harm to creatures that you have no ill will towards. And uh, the only way I've been able to kind of balance that is if I see that things are living in something like a piece of firewood, I'll leave it alone. But if I throw the firewood on and then the ants come pouring out, I kind of figure that's just the way the universe works, you know? Um, the hero's journey. Yeah, the hero's journey. Fate, that there's something greater than, than me going on. Um, because let's not forget, if you're not burning a piece of firewood with ants scampering around, you might be inside just uh, using your computer and uh, sitting on your sofa and not feeling like you're killing anything, but actually many more things are being poisoned and dying due to that lifestyle than that piece of firewood. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, complicated questions. And we're out of time. So, Teresa, is there any uh, last thoughts you have for today? Um, nope. All right. It is Thursday, a little after 5 p.m., <laughs> and we got high and went for a walk. And it's just the lightest, lightest sprinkling of rain, which is a lot because it hasn't rained here significantly in a long time. Yeah, and it's been kind of an unusual, uh, like, really tropically warm, heavy clouds, like just this heavy, heavy cloud cover um, kind of like, day. It feels like we went to the tropics, like the Caribbean, on vacation. Yeah, and last night was actually kind of hot. Sherlock was panting, but we got up, and it's been like kind of a weird but kind of a good day. I mean, I feel like we've been really busy. Teresa's been cooking and made some like bean and ham soup that's awesome. With sweet potatoes. With sweet potatoes, and I finished my... Uh, picnic slash chess table which is pretty cool um i'm really like benches are a little uncomfortable but i mean i see some troubleshooting but yeah i'm glad i did it it's uh pretty cool Mm -hmm. and we took a walk is there anything you want to share about the walk when we noticed what the city was doing a couple weeks ago um they started dumping the contents of the lake sludge, the lake mud that had, you know, admittedly probably come from this land up above and uh, had eroded down. But it's just so um, jarring. Like there's this huge mound of rocks that break up the horizon. So when you're coming up this path, it just looks like you're coming to the end of the world. Like there's this rock wall with mud and rock mixed together. Yeah, and I was like... I was just kind of marveling in all the beauty around me. I was, uh, I thought of a new term, kissed by God. Mm. So kissed by God, you know, when I was uh, walking along, reflecting on the beauty. (laughs) um, I was thinking those are those things that just kind of jump out at like as extra special. There's just something about them that like kind of makes you pause. And I was noticing that in the broom sedge, there's this kind of like brown hue that's like, it's just, it almost looks like it's glowing with the brown. And then Teresa noticed it on the pine needles with this yellow at the ends of their needles. And it looks like they're glowing, kind of like red maples in autumn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of marveling, like how miraculous, how much beauty is around me when I start looking for it. Um, I start looking for all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 
We all do that sometimes. <laughs> it's okay, Teresa. Hi, okay. <laughs> and oh my God, can you believe we've only been talking for two minutes? It's almost three. Wow. All right, Teresa, what's on your mind? Go. Um, right now, I'm not thinking about much because I'm high as shit. But I must say that today was a pretty good day. Like Gumby said, it was warm. It's the end of December, December 30th, and it was like 72 degrees, no wind, and it is very tropical, and here I am making breakfast, and I found some dock. Oh, oyster mushrooms. Oh, yeah, oyster mushrooms, like a new flush of oyster mushrooms and some wintercress. Oh, my God, and we made this heavenly egg dish with mushrooms and greens, and, uh, and then I made that ham and bean soup, so I was just cooking pretty much the whole entire day. And Teresa, I'm not just saying this to like kiss your ass or anything, but that like ham and bean soup is kissed by God. It really is. I learned that recipe from my uncle. Yeah. And I've made it before. And I was coveting this ham that was in the fridge at the place where we stay next to. And, uh, and that's not my food, but I was like, they always offer us this ham that somebody gives them hams around the holidays and they never tell them not to. So there's always a ham in the fridge and then eventually I get wind of it like, oh, you you can eat that. So I was waiting and waiting to make this ham and bean soup until I got the go-ahead and fi- finally today I just asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, uh, tomorrow marks the last day that I'm focused on like uh, flint napping and kind of building wooden furniture and wooden, to- wooden tools. Um so, yeah, it's kind of, I'm glad I got to finish this table. I w- worked really hard on it last night. I feel it found a way to kind of rig up the light and worked until dark putting up the uh, frame and filled in the table all this morning. And um feels like a good way to kind of, like, put those skills aside from n- for now. My goal is to, as I learn skills, to kind of incorporate them into my life. So if I need a table, I build one. If I need a chair, I build one. But uh, for the two months I'm focused on it, I'm just practicing. So I might build stuff I don't necessarily need to learn how to do it. But after that, I apply it as seems to make sense. So, yeah, it's kind of cool to wrap it up for me, that focus. I can't focus. believe this is only five minutes long. Yeah, what's going on with that? All right. So, Teresa, <laughs> I want to hear your deepest, darkest secret. Go. No, you can't hear those on the podcast. You immediately thought of your butthole, didn't you? No, no. You should see your face. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much to say this, but this winter has been so far so strange. And fall, too. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It has seemed like a really strange winter, and this weather lately has just kind of highlighted that. Yeah, I mean, last year we were just trudging through day by day this cold rain and mud and now it's like hot and barely raining ever at all yeah i feel kind of a weird mix i feel an ominous feeling like there's so many things in the air and it seems like a lot of things are going to get worse but i also feel a renewed optimism i'm really enjoying like throwing myself back into skills and i feel like i can kind of see a path into rewilding didn't was that a tree falling no, that was uh, someone opening up the trailer door. No. Rewilding. And also, I remembered what you were going to mention, that um, Facebook conversation you were having. Was there a topic? 
Yeah, it was about like why people that say we need to fight to like take down civilization. Oh, well, I already kind of mentioned that yesterday. Do you uh, have a new thought? I just, I mean, to me, it's so crazy to think that there are people out there who, I mean, their main way of fighting civilization is just like, I mean, sorry, sharing memes on Facebook. Mm. <laughs> Damn it, we do a podcast too. Mm. Uh, no, but I mean, it's it's like 50, 60-year-old guys that are like, maybe at one point in time they were trying something different and now they're just like, armchair enthusiasts for the end of civilization while they're still in it. And I just don't, I just don't know what they're thinking, if they're thinking at all. Well, I don't want to black pill that too bad. I will say, um, people might wonder, like one, one thing this person brought up that I thought was a good point is he asked, what are people that are like this age supposed to do? And, uh, this age being, this age being, I guess, you know, in your sixties mm-hmm. and older, uh, fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, you know, like we were, we were talking about Don Juan and Carlos Castaneda the other day, um, our mm-hmm. last episode. And one of the traps that you mentioned was old age, yep. not to consider yourself like old. Cause that's, I mean, you're still, I guess like in the fight, so to speak. So I'd say one thing that we can all do is like slowly move over towards uh, rewilding. Mm-hmm. Everybody, there's something you can do. Like I'm doing a lot of frivolous crap here. I just built a chess table and it was fun. But <laughs> one thing I'm built, learning, you built a you built a druid time machine. Well, it did look like a druid time machine yesterday. <laughs> and um, it still does. Um, Damn it, you derailed. All right, now you got to talk. When you get older into your 50s or 60s, it's still about rewilding. Yeah, like it's all about small steps. I mean, there's something that all of us can do, even if it's learning knitting or crochet. I think getting our independence is like the most important thing. But I didn't want to go on a big rant. I feel like that's kind of, you know, exhausted that on Facebook. But anything else you want to, you got on your mind? Just try something, y'all. It's like, it's... The time is now. Don't wait until it's too late. Oh, 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 one quick update. What? What's the time? Uh, you got less than a minute. Okay. Doc Seeds. I had a little, I ate them the other day for the first time in my life, like three quarters of a cup of them toasted. And uh, I basically had a few slight stomach pains or like, you know, maybe the gas or something. But I did not have any crazy like other effects from them, but I would caution if you're going to eat dock seeds to like, as with any wild food, try some now. So you make sure that you don't have some weird effect when it's like too late to Google shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't get the shits. <laughs> Basically. All right. We're out. It's 7 PM on new year's Eve. And uh, <clears throat> we just took a really nice walk down the road and watched the last sunset of 2021. And um, good riddance to 2021. <laughs> but, uh, Teresa, how you doing? I'm good. Um, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting day. It's been overcast and foggy. It's been bright, sunny, and warm, even too hot. And then the clouds came, and that was when we decided to take a a quick outside shower, of course, with our solar shower. Um, we heat up the water. We boil water or try to get it as close to boiling as possible and then mix in 
cold water so that it doesn't melt the solar shower when we pour in using a funnel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're uh, at the table I just built right now um, with our little uh, like rechargeable light hanging overhead next to our campfire. And um, yeah, it's uh, it occurs to me how often we talk about the weather when we're checking in. And um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting because, you know, the weather does play such a very important part in our lives. I think maybe more than um, other people who aren't like roughing it. Um, it just like <laughs> I'm sitting here at this table and we got some shelves I built and we got some chairs and we got our you know our central fire and we were kind of talking earlier about how this is sort of our house like at first I said well uh you know it's everything that a house has except walls and a roof <laughs> and then we were kind of reflecting on well that's the roof you know and sometimes it's a really leaky roof but then we take advantage of that and you know these are the walls all these pine trees and trees and you know, what What would you want to hang a painting on that for? What would be more beautiful than the trees themselves? And, you know, here's this carpeted ground and you never have to sweep it. And it's uh, biodegradable. Like you can just, you know, it, it turns. Uh, yeah. It provides food. Yeah. It provides food right from the ground. And, you know, everything uh, that gets dropped there or whatever just gets recycled and turned into nutrients. So it occurs to me that... Uh, it's not a house except for the floor and the walls and the roof. It's a house with a, a really extraordinary roof and walls <laughs> and floor. Um, Indeed. Yeah, we were kind of like cutting up earlier, like uh, talking about doing a video where we're like kind of like better homes and garden and walking around with our better, most crisp English accent. And better hobos and garden. Better hobos and garden and, uh, <laughs> you know, doing the tour of... Uh, Here's our garden where we grow a, a fresh, ba fresh batch of fallow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that was pretty fun. And, yeah, it's been a good New Year's Eve. Um, as this year winds to a close, I'm really thankful for my lifestyle. I'm, I'm thankful to be doing this. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of all I want to say for the moment. Teresa, how was your day and what are your kind of reflections knowing that this is the last evening of the last day of 2021 you, you build that up all the time no 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 not like any pressure but just what are you thinking right now you know what's already in your head and anything that just kind of crops to your head uh as far as what 2021's been like and also uh, looking forward um you know a lot of people make resolutions so if you have any resolutions but even if you don't have resolutions for the next year um Kind of what are you uh, looking forward to? What are you hoping to see or anything? Well, I am not prepared to make a resolution for the next year, but uh, we were having a conversation this morning on our morning walk talking about like, oh, what do we do with all this like technology that's, oh God, it's so frightening. And Gumby's like, just meditation and work on your skills, concentration and work on your skills, focus and work on your skills. And I really like that. So it's not necessarily a New Year's resolution, but it's a, a lifetime commitment to uh, just working on my skills, including my my focus and my awareness. Yeah, I'm not really a resolution kind of guy. And one of the reasons, and I think this is a really good sign uh, how, of how I'm living my life, is I find when I ask myself, what do I want to change? <clears throat> I'm already working on all that stuff. Um, 
I already like, I feel like I digest my life pretty well as it comes up. Like, oh, I want to, you know, learn more about this or push myself harder with this. So when it comes to be January 1st, I don't really feel like there's any dangling thing like, all right, it's time to do that thing. Um, and it's the same way with a wish, you know, like you see that, that first star in the sky at night or a shooting star, or, uh, you know, blowing the seeds off a dandelion. I always get really stymied when it's time to like make a wish. Cause I kind of feel like I've pretty much got everything I want. I just, uh, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you know I was talking about you? What a woman. Um, <clears throat> anyway, but yeah, so I, uh, it's a good time to kind of take stock and like, you know, to, to realize that anew, like, yeah, I'm, I like the path I'm on. So I guess I just want more of it. I just want to get better at stuff. And, uh, you know, kind of a bottom line of like, I mean, even listening back to our entries in this episode, much less other episodes, you know, I, I hear us kind of exploring like what other people are doing and, um, you know, our opinions about this, our opinions about that, and, you know, fair enough. That's kind of what we're trying to record is just our life as it unfolds, um, in this van. And some of that is having opinions and some of those opinions change and some of those opinions are just blatantly wrong or, uh, even narrow-minded, pig-headed, whatever. It's the human experience. But uh, my bottom line for where I want to go is to just continue rewilding. And uh, I was thinking as we were walking this morning and talking how I, I see three branches of that. One is like pushing my skills. One is just being outside, you know, like uh, one of the gifts COVID has brought us, those of us who really like to be outside, is to remind us how healing the outdoors is. Mm-hmm. Vitamin D, um, Solitude, you know, being by yourself, walking through the woods, not in a crowded city, just so much of what the outdoors has to offer um, is healing. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the other day about, you know, God's kiss, things that feel kissed by God. And, uh, yeah, some of those moments like the vitamin D, you know, you step into that sunshine, you can feel it, just that healing energy. Um, Yeah, so... um, did that uh, spark anything that you want to add to your New Year's thoughts? Well, I also wanted to add that uh, I had mentioned, I can't remember if it was in the entries or in a previous podcast, but I'd been talking to my grandma and I've been trying to do that more lately because of everything that's been happening in my family. And of course, just everybody's getting older, you know, so uh, realizing that my grandma is probably the most supportive person of what I'm doing with my life right now, in my life. And how cool it is, Gumby pointed out, that she's also the person that I was like hearing the wisdom in her words the other day. So kind of, I wouldn't say the wisest person, but probably too the wisest person in my family and in my life is also the person that like sees the most benefit for how I'm living my life right now. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, That's a good reflection. Somebody that's had the most years under her belt to kind of see you living out of a van and all this stuff that some of the other members of your family are, you know, seem more skeptical about. Is that a a good choice you're making? But your grandma seems to, I feel like, is kind of conveying to you, like, yeah, you're on to something. Like, as my life's winding down, you know, like, that's, that's how you approach life. Like, it's an adventure. Like, to hell with just trying to save up and work and, 
you know, uh, guard against something that you can't possibly guard against, old age, death, the whole gamut. Just go out there and do it. Um, and this is the time of night, like I said, at 7 o'clock um, with these short winter. And it, by the way, it is so mild right now. We're out here like no jackets or anything, and we're not even huddled around the fire. Um, we're about, I don't know, maybe five feet away from the fire at our table. Um, but yeah, we generally like sit around the campfire. We make coffee for the next morning, put it in a thermos and wrap it up in this uh, plastic bag mat I made um, to drink the next morning so we can have coffee before we even get out of the van, which is a real treat. You know, so <laughs> Luxuriate of, in yeah. a van filth nest. It's those little things you figure out <laughs> along the way, you know, two and a half year, over two and a half years, almost three years now into living in a van. Um, those little things, you know, like we didn't know about doing the coffee when we started and um, there's just so many little things that have piled up that have kind of made our lives better. Not great. I mean, every life has challenges. God knows I'm not trying to over-romanticize ours. Teresa brought up earlier <laughs> an interesting thing about, I wonder if we share too much of our struggle, like if we're too honest about that. And um, it got us kind of thinking of like, well, I, I want to. Sh- I don't want to romanticize the way we live. I don't want people to just hear all the good stuff and we try to like hide the shameful challenges and the dirty, stinky secrets and all that crap. Um, My garden of fallow. But it does reflect back to us how we describe our lives, like what our attitudes are like. So I would hope that when we share the challenges, we share optimism in those challenges. And I think we often do. So I'm glad about that. And that we share just like, it's a challenge. It's not like, oh, woe is me. Oh, God, this life sucks. It's like, no, this is challenging. And I think we use that word a lot. And I try to use that intentionally. Yeah, and it all has to do, like, with with calling it a challenge, it all has to do with attitude. And so you were saying earlier, like, it's all in how we meet that challenge. It's all in our attitude. And, uh, man, I just... Yeah, I feel like I'm in a pretty good place right now, you know, just working on skills, slowly trying to add to my repertoire. And as things come up, like, I need a ladle. Mm -hmm. Badly. It's so annoying to not have a ladle when you make soup a lot. So, bam, new project on the horizon. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm in a good place, too. And uh, as I was saying, like, this, you know, 7 o'clock, the short winter... Uh, evenings after sitting around the fire, we bank the coals. Um, we've discovered to just like take the shovel and like pile ashes on top of the coals. And we almost always have coals the next morning. So we get out and it's really easy to just crank the fire right back up without having to start from scratch. Um, you know, we crawl into the van about now. If it's a cold night, we start up the van and just like turn on the heat and listen to some music. Um, and if it's a warm night, like tonight, we're going to leave the windows down and turn up the van, uh, crank up the van just to recharge the battery and listen to some music without the heat. Um, and generally, we play cards. Uh, Crazy Eights. Crazy Eights is about the only game we can, like, mentally wrap our minds around. Um, <laughs> we're not motivated enough to look up another game to learn how to play. It's just like, yeah, let's just do Crazy Eights. It's fine. <laughs> And sometimes we smoke a little weed. And I know we talk about, like, weed a lot, especially this week. It's been kind of the celebratory week between uh, Christmas and New Year's Eve. But uh, Holiday edition. We're actually not huge potheads. Like, when we talk about smoking weed, I've got this tiny little pinch hitter, and we take, like, generally about two tokes apiece, and that might be all we do for the day. Um, so we make a little bit 
go a long ways. I always wonder, like, I look back on how I used to smoke these big joints and bongs, and I'm like, man, that was wasteful. <laughs> like, I was high after the second hit. What the hell was I just trying to prove there? Uh, but, yeah, and after we play some cards, we watch Alone, and which her computer, uh, Teresa's computer, the battery's dying, so it lasts about an hour before it cuts off on us, and then we go to bed. <laughs> that's kind of our routine. So that's what we'll be doing after we wind this uh, portion up. And we are out of time. Is there any last thing before I do our outro, Teresa, that you would like to add? Um, it's a new year, and even if it's not a resolution, work on your skills. Working on, working on being more free from this society. Don't wait. Keep on saying it. Don't wait. Yeah, let's all take responsibility for ourselves this next year. You know, I mean, the world is has never been fuller of batshit crazy people and batshit crazy shit going on and just horrible, scary stuff that's beyond our control. But we, what we can do is work on ourselves. You can make changes in your life right now. So uh, I'd like to invite anybody who, uh, you know, feels the same way I do just to kind of like reset yourself right now, like reset your goals, recalibrate, like. It's all about what you can do for you. And uh, if you can change yourself, I mean, that's that's where you can change the world from. Write in and tell us what you're working on. And speaking of a listener write in, um, I'm going to share a listener write in of Tim from Maine. And I don't think you've heard this one yet, Teresa. It's a long one, but he uh, it was actually like so long that when I when he first uh, wrote it, I didn't read the whole thing. I was like, man, I got to make some time for that. And then I didn't make time for like quite a while. And when I finally got around to reading it, it was like, wow, this is really good information. So um, in keeping with, uh, you know, I mentioned Tim earlier in the week for sharing the uh, link to the J.P. Sears uh, talking about New York, the mandates on COVID and uh, also talking about survival skills. So this is apt. Um. Tim writes, <clears throat> and by the way, Tim is from Maine. Are you going to do the whole thing in a Maine accent? I'm going to try. That's really hard. Yeah, no shit. Okay. You want to do it? No. All right. I have to finish this one. And he's talking about mile marker 108. The fart puddle, Mencius, and the age of demagoguery. <laughs> Still just up to the Facebook part. Facebook is going to become the metaverse with a virtual reality twist. Put that into the transhuman category, right along with machines prepping your fast food meals. No more dirty virus, infected clerks, or cash to handle your food. All part of the program. I presume you don't have much birch bark in the Durham area. If you should get a hold of a bunch, it makes t- some great oil slash tar slash glue. You need a big tin can, coffee or paint or similar with a top, and a small tomato soup can. With a nail, poke a hole in the bottom of the big can... Fill the big can with birch bark. It can be coiled or cut up into chip-like pieces. Either way, fill it well. Hmm. With a top on the big can, dig a hole in the ground for the small can and backfill around the small can so the top is a ground surface. Then place the big full of birch bark can with the hole centered over the little can and seal around the base of the big can with dirt a couple inches up the sides of the big can. Build a nice big fire around and over the big can. Burn it hot for half an hour or so. Let it cool for the most part. Carefully clean away the dirt and gently lift the big can. You will have fine birch oil in the little can. To make it more thick, slowly heat it on the fire, being careful not to let it combust into flame. Have a cover ready to quench said fire. (laughs) It will thicken so thick it will become solid-like, yet still pliable. 
This can be heated to thin it and wrap onto a stick twirled in the hot goo. Store it on a a stick and heat when needed, like most pitch glues. A similar process can be used to render the resin out of the wonderful fatwood found in the south. Just exchange the bark for fatwood chunks. I don't think you need rabbit poo in the birch taw. It's rather pliable. It's not as brittle as pine glue. The Neanderthals are known to have made birch glue. They find it in their teeth. They chewed it, I guess, to soften it like spruce gum. With the body heat and chewing action, it loosens up, and they could apply apply it to the need at hand. A stone tip to shaft or a patch on a container or whatever was needed to be stuck together or sealed. I make a black fly repellent with my birch oil, mixed in thirds birch oil, beeswax, and food-grade mineral oil. Smear it on exposed skin. Works good for black flies. It's also good for wood conditioning on handles or whatever. I put it on my canoe paddles once every season. I hear it's also good for skin conditions. Nice season ending for the podcast. Thank you. I enjoy them and the content. When I first met my wife, I got talking about a direction, talking about direction and Todd roads and dirt roads, and went to take the turn to get to my place. Well, ta is pronounced ta. <laughs> Ours are aw sounding. She later confided, "What is he talking about, Todd Rhodes?" <laughs> By the way, I just found a blue chanterelle, very cool color, the deepest blue, almost black, with oh. tan edges and a steering wheel size cluster. Wow. Yeah. That was so much good information. Actually, we watched a movie. Do you remember that movie where the guy was doing that and we first saw that guy like uh, doing the birch oil? He was like, it was in a post-apocalyptic movie. He was by himself and the two women showed up. Oh, The Survivalist? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was called The Survivalist. Really good movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. But uh, ever since I saw that, I've been wanting to experiment with this. And it's actually on my list of skills to experiment with, but I'm kind of... Um, right now I'm going down a list and trying to stay focused on one skill at a time, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting around to that one. And, uh, my glue, um, I found that I don't need the rabbit poo either. I kind of like adding the rabbit poo, maybe just cause I like playing with poo. Um, <laughs> but the glue has come around pretty good. Yeah. I think I figured out how to get it to work, uh, pretty well. He was, uh, Tim was responding to me mentioning Teresa and I talking about collecting rabbit poo to make glue during that episode, mile marker 108. Poo glue. Poo glue. And, yeah, cool find with the mushrooms. We just found, as Teresa mentioned, I think in this podcast, uh, found some oyster mushrooms recently. We got this log that we pass on our walk that, uh, God, about once a week lately, it's been throwing out some oyster mushrooms we've mm-hmm. been collecting. So that's been great. I feel like I'm still talking in a main accent. I can't break out of it. Yeah, you're stuck now. Uh, I, you run the risk when you're from New Hampshire that when you start talking like this, it actually st- gets stuck. <laughs> and by the way, being from New Hampshire, I realized something the other day I thought was pretty cool. The motto of New Hampshire is live free or die. Ooh. And I thought that was cool that I come from a state that's like live free or die. And then I thought like, wow, what's the motto of North Carolina? Like if there was another state, I'm from New Hampshire, but now I live in North Carolina and call it home. I want to say something. All right. And evidently, I saw an article the other day, the state of North Carolina residents are the, like, they're ranked last in knowing the state motto. And uh, I want to say it shows, but it's a really good motto, too. Okay, go. Okay. It's, oh, I almost said the wrong one. E pluribus unum. No, that is not it. No, that's not it? No. 
All right, I don't know the Latin name, but what it amounts to, what it <laughs> what it means, is to be rather than to seem. And I was like, wow, that's the like second part of the lesson: live free or die. But how do you do that? And then North Carolina's got the second part of that. I think that's really important. Don't just pretend to do it. Walk your talk to oh, yeah. be rather than to seem. So, I think I happen to uh, like have ties to the two states with maybe the coolest mottos. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you uh, want to find out more about some of the stuff we talk about, visit our website, www.escapingsociety.weebly. B as in... Uh, Birchbark. Birchbark. Good. <laughs> um, we've got a YouTube channel that Teresa keeps talking. It's her turn to make a video for like ever now. And oh, she it's keeps, happening. Yeah, she keeps threatening to like, oh, she's going to do one on Doc, but we'll see. I wanted to do it today. Yeah, okay. And uh, um, oh, we have a donate button on our website. So if you are able and moved, we always appreciate cash donations. Um, helps keep gas in our, our tank. Um, yeah, is there anything else I'm forgetting? Uh, I got a Facebook page, founded Escaping Society with uh, some good information, some nonsense. Um, right in on our contact form. What? Our contact form is on the front homepage of the website, escapingsociety.weebly.com. It's right there. Yeah, that is the best way to get in touch with us, is uh, our contact form on the website. Um, and we always like a review. So uh, give us five stars if you think we deserve it. That helps get our, get our podcast out further. Um, but only if you think we deserve it. And uh, write us a review. We love getting those. So... I think that's about it. Actually, oh, it's starting to sprinkle, so perfect timing to crawl into the van. <laughs> All um, right. And yeah, is that? Am I? Uh, is that it? I think that's it. All right. Uh, enjoy the new year, and we will talk to you soon. So why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it. You can give them the finger. There's no time to linger. So thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it because we'll be gone over that next horizon. We ain't got no address.